Hello and Merry Christmas. Yes, that's right. This is the Expertise is Overrated Christmas Special. Which, of course, makes this the best gift you'll receive all year. If you haven't already succumbed to a holiday <laughs> coma, this episode should actually be coming out to you live, well, not live, but on December 25th itself. I, are we mad? Are we just mad? Mm. Yeah, I, I put that line in our script. Yes, we have a script. Uh, and then mostly to just kick myself up the ass to actually get this episode edited to release on Christmas Day. I, I don't think we ever planned this throughout the year. It just so happened that that falls so, naturally so on our release schedule. So wonderfully serendipitous. <laughs> the, the, so yes, hopefully we do make it. If we don't, hopefully enjoy we listening to this on like January the 3rd. February 12th. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Which would be, I mean... It'd be very on we're, we're surprisingly topical for a change. Yes, not only are we having a Christmas special, we're actually discussing Christmas things. Or Christmas-ish things, I guess. Mm, well, are we? <laughs> so, we have, we have both, I think today, just finished <laughs> Terry Pratchett's supposed Christmas novel set in his Discworld universe, Hogfather. I, I'm, an, I'm a big Discworld fan, but I had never read Hogfather for reasons I don't quite know until I finished it, and... You've never read any Terry Pratchett at all? Up until today, I had never read any Terry Pratchett, Terry Pratchett whatsoever, no. Will you be? But I thought, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought this might be a nice introduction. It's like, it's a Christmas novel. Um, it's on the Big Reads um, top 200 list. Is it? Yeah. One of a few Pratchett novels, actually. Uh, the only reason I know that is because today, after finishing the book, I had to go and read on Wikipedia what the book was about. <laughs> <laughs> and there were definitely some story plots that I was like, oh, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> there's there's so much. It's, it's so Pratchett. Like, more than just about any other Pratchett novel that I've read. It's so Pratchett. So it, it, it it's wild. I, I must also say, in my defense, um, I started this at about two a.m. on the on a bus to yeah, Heathrow. I remember you sending that, which might have been a problem. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so th there might be a bit of a section that I sort of missed and didn't really realize because I was asleep without realizing I was. asleep. No, no. Um, I think probably your reaction. I think we're we're going to get lots of angry mail because Hogfather is really popular. People really like it. Yes, people really like it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Did 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 <laughs> you enjoy it? Like taking a step back for the fact that you don't have a clue what happened. Did you find the experience of reading it fun? So I should preface this as well because uh, as is oh, my style, because I can't Sorry. read. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I listened to Tony Robinson give a delightful performance, to be fair. Oh, that would be good, actually. I bet he does, I bet yeah. he does Albert very well. I uh, couldn't tell you. Don't know who, who Albert is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was great. It's it's a wild romp. It's it's a bit sort of... How do I best put this? It... it if you were to drop some acid, I think this could be fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, a wild time. 
don't drop acid, please. I mean, don't. But, you know, if one were to... <laughs> Make sure you carry your acid It's, it's crazy. I, like, every single time I was like, what is happening? This is such a wild ride. I was... I was. I, I often read in bed, because it's the sort of easiest way I find a spare 10 minutes. It's just before we go to sleep. But I was really annoying my wife because i was just like reading sitting sitting reading and just chuckling quietly to myself at some of the wordplay um so that was great but yeah but i think it suffers in in a few ways well firstly it doesn't really explain discworld very well and my memory of the Discworld novels was that they all explained the Discworld a bit better than Hogfather does. But I might just be remembering some of the ones that do and then transposing that across. So this is interesting, right? So, I mean, I, I'd never read any Pratchett mm. before, which I think is potentially, well, it's not fine, I guess, but... You don't know. You don't have to read everything. I think I think you would enjoy Pratchett if you read it, or if you had it read to you by Tony Robinson. Um, no, but that, no. What I'm what sort of getting at is that if I hadn't known that the Discworld was a thing, I probably still wouldn't. After this, no, I think that's true. It doesn't matter. But it, but that was almost the issue because the entire time I was like, oh, this this fits into a wide universe. I think, or that's that's at least how I. I'm yeah, thinking it, it about does. what Pratchett it, might look like. Death and Susan and Nobby Nobs and Visit and uh, Ridcully and oh, Ponder Stibbons, they're all Discworld characters. Ah, that would have helped. They're all The whole thing takes place, well not the whole thing, but most of it takes place in Ankh-Morpork, which is the like main city about which Pratchett writes his Discworld novels. Yeah. So you maybe maybe you just need that extra context. It also isn't helped it, by the fact that it's like the third book in the Death series. I see. Yeah, there was an element of not not assumed knowledge, but there was so many characters being introduced in such a short book. Yeah. That. Yeah, you sort of have to hope that they are actually mentioned elsewhere. Yeah, no, that's fair. It was a bit overwhelming from from that point of view. Yeah, there's more. Uh, also, yeah, there's more, and there's the, the, idea, the idea of a Christmas book that, that that has death as its main character is kind of wild. I like that, but that that works because death is a character in the Discworld. So, obviously, you, most of you, what you get from of death is is filtered through Susan. I suppose we should probably at this point say, yeah, we're probably going to spoil the entirety of Hogfather. If for no other reason, then we're going to need to spoil it in order to work out what happened. That would be appreciated. <laughs> but, yeah, death in the weird relationship that death the character has with humanity, I think, is, yeah. is sort of why death works as your character or is it not not as a main character because he's not he's not the main character but he's one of several but it is a bit odd but there is a sort of message that runs through quite a lot of the uh discworld novels which is that you shouldn't be afraid of death death is perfectly natural and obviously Pratchett, yeah. not i don't think when he was writing hogfather but when he was writing his later books he knew he was ill 
I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure he knew he was terminally ill. So there's an element of that comes through in his writing and being comfortable with the existence of death as a being and as a natural part of being alive, which is is quite good. I'm not sure how much it matters for a Christmas story, though. But is it that? <clears throat> it is, and it, I guess this almost forces us to define what a Christmas story is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> lest we get into the the, the, the age-old argument of, oh, this is a Christmas film, oh no, it's not, that sort of thing. Yes. But it does matter, you, you really like defining things, so what, what to you is a Christmas story? I... It's, you know it when you see it, except you obviously don't because yeah. people argue about whether or not certain things like Die Hard are Christmas films. It's not. Um, I mean, it is. <laughs> well, this is the problem. It takes. So, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it is for me because I essentially only ever watch it around so that Christmas. Is I think actually a big part of it is when do you watch or cons- when do you consume yeah. the media. In question. So, if you only ever read Hogfather at Christmas time, then to you it might be a Christmas tale because you associate it with, with Christmas. And Hogswatch, which is the event in the in the novel, is clearly Pratchett's parallel for Christmas. Like, there's no question. And the Hogfather, except that it's is on December thirty second. Of course, he, of course, it is because it's Pratchett. Um, yeah, but that that that's more sort of because Hogmanay is, is Scottish. New Year? That's right, yeah. 31st of December. Yeah, so that... And that confused me a little bit. It's like, so, so are we talking Christmas or some sort of New Year's tradition? All the traditions are Christmas traditions. So the Hogfather coming down the chimney and leaving gifts, the big meal, mm. the sense of giving and receiving of gifts, all of that, that's Christmas. But a sort of sun, you know, sun... Will the sun rise? Sun rising yeah. again feels a bit more like a New Year's thing. But if you... Think yeah, I appreciate it happens every day, of course, but until it doesn't. Um, but until it doesn't, I thought that was really good at the end. Um, you've also got the fact that pagan festivals, which Hogswatch sort of is, and pagan religions don't mm. differ or didn't necessarily differentiate between the winter solstice and the turning of the year. So, Sat- Saturnalia, mm. for example. You don't have a, fe- a feast seven days later to mark the turning of the year. Saturnalia was the turning of the year. So we separated those out as part of the institution of the Gregorian calendar, I'm fairly sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. that that's right. We went, we, when we moved stuff around. Good old Julius Caesar fixing the calendar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> More parties, yay. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, but that... that... <sighs> That sort of so no, I, th- I think with this one it's it's pretty on the nose, right? Yeah. We are sort of talking about Santa Claus, Father Christmas, mm. the Hog Father. But I think you're right that there is a, a Hogmanay analog there as well, if in nothing other than the name. But also the the sort of the, mm, the spirit of Christmas. Is it that central a tenet to the story? It probably is, actually, right? Because it's people wanting to get rid of the Hogfather because he, he gives people he gives humans happiness. Almost. Yeah, and the death keeping plucking at 
Christmas, and when he's when he's doing it, he is plucking at Christmas, not at um at New, at New Year traditions of the sort of why mm, can't I just true. give everyone what they want? Why is it right that X happens instead of Y? And and Albert trying to explain to him, oh well, it's Hogswatch, isn't it? And and Death sort of going, yeah, but it's not. This isn't what it should be. That's that's Christmassy. But but the problem is, it doesn't really get resolved in the way you would expect it to in a Christmas film. I don't think. Maybe it does. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, the ending is sort of just you know. They rescue him and he he goes off and does his thing. Yeah, de- with, death did with, it for with, a without year. Without much for what? Death did it for one or for one night, so that next year the Hogfather can do it. Yeah, which is yeah. It it doesn't have that sort of that feel good happy ending in a way. I mean, it, it kind of does, but equally it ends on like you know, tea time being killed. So <laughs> yeah, well that's uh, Taya Timmy. Uh, that's yeah. so good. Uh, how does I was wondering this in the audiobooks how does Tony Robinson do Death's voice and Susan's version of the Death voice because in the books it's written in all caps and without speech marks oh all caps he, he does it kind of sinister right not like raspy but, but sort of like a sinister whisper that isn't a, a whisper. <laughs> yeah. I'm explaining that terribly. I need but... to find it somewhere because in in the books, there's no speech, there's no quotation marks because the the sense is that death doesn't talk. Death's voice just appears in your head with the, like the words fully formed, and it's a thing that Susan can do, uh, yeah, but doesn't. Yeah, because there's, there's there's moments where she she tries to. It's, it's a lot of impersonating going on, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> Um, no, it's it's he, he does it well. I was because death was actually one of the sort of standout voices for me. Because after a while, you're like, oh god, who who is this? Who is this person? Yeah, there's now? a lot of characters, like, especially who's, amongst who's the oh god of hangovers, and why is the tooth fairy so important in all this? Like <laughs> the tooth fairy came out of absolutely nowhere. I was who then is also a bogeyman. Is that right? The well, the bogeyman the, is the tooth the fairy. The first bogeyman. Um, it's it's all that that. It's stuff like that where I was like, what am I listening it to? It was so weird. But a lot of it seems to be, a lot of the book seems to be about old gods taking up new roles. So if we think the original Bogeyman is this sort of, the metaphysical imper- um, condensation of early humanity's fear, right, and that gives rise to the original Bogeyman, then when early humanity masters fire and tools such that those cultural fears are no longer relevant the bogeyman the original bogeyman needs to shift itself into another sphere and it becomes the tooth fairy but it's so left so out of nowhere i thought i was so confused See, and if, if you're it. not well that's good to hear actually because i was like if you're not if you're not familiar with pratchett this this is just not the style of book that I was anywhere near ready it's, for. It's quite Pratchett in its last page. Silliness. Turn, silliness. Ir- irreverence, I think, rather than silliness. Because Pratchett deals with quite... Mm. It, it deals with serious themes. It does. Yeah, that that and that's the thing that threw me completely. Because all I'd ever heard about Pratchett was, yeah, it's a bit silly, but sort of 
tongue in cheek, I guess. Like it's it's all just very comedic, but it, it it's not actually. Well, he it's quite deep and and, and meaningful. He, he he absolutely throughout the Discworld makes a point of dealing with serious topics, but in a manner that makes them not lighthearted, but like easily consumable. So you, yeah. There's a, there's a book called Jingo, for example, that's all about. Um, it basically reads like the run up to the Iraq and Afghanistan wars in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Like it's just about cultural imperialism against perceived lesser nations, but it's it's mm. done in a characteristic. And quintessentially Pratchetty way, so you don't realizing you're essentially reading a reading a, an indictment of Western foreign policy until you get to the end, and then you go, wait, hold on, he's just tricked me into reading that. That's what he does. He tricks you into reading these books. Yeah. No, it's 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 impressive because it's sort of at first I was like, am I? What am I? Is this like a kids' book? But then very quickly on, you know, assassins get hired. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a kid book thing But the to assassins me. guild themselves are quite funny. Tea time, tea yeah. time isn't. Um, but the guild is. But yeah, because the first interaction you have with tea time and um, I forget his name, but I guess the, the master, the, the guild, guild master. master I, I forget his name as yeah. well. But, but that whole sort of situation is... Quite humorous, and then tea time. Yeah, he's super dark. That for me, that was like, well, this is definitely not a, a children's book. Yeah, yeah, the way he, um, yeah, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Downey is the the master of the Assassin's Guild. I've got my copy yeah. sitting right next to me. Um, but any universe that has an Assassin's Guild, <laughs> probably not that kid oriented. No, but the this is the point. The Assassins in the disc world are quite funny. Like they're deliberately written to be relatively a, a lighthearted oh, oh, sure, way of but... dealing with a political entity like an Assassin's Guild. But they're still an Assassin's Guild. They still kill people for money. But that's what I mean. It's like, you know, the, the term assassin in, in itself is quite complicated. Yeah, they're, they're, right? You, you're not, you're not going to be a six-year-old who's who's thinking deeply about assassination. No, they're, they're, they're not Hopefully. kids' books. Fundamentally, there there is there are young adult books set in the disc world, and they're separate. They're their own thing. They're things like the We Free Men, yeah. and they're good. And like, you can read them as an adult, but they're noticeably different in style. That's impressive. And they're actually. less likely to deal with like the Assassins Guild and things like that. Yeah. But but that was the thing for me. Like when I, when you start off, it's like oh, this is so like zany and weird and fun, and then oddly serious. But equally very hard to follow. You're trying to work. I don't know if you. I was trying to work out throughout where on the timeline each of the, like, each of the points of view sat because they're not contemporaneous. I don't think. Oh, you're miles ahead of me. I, I was literally clinging on for dear life for most of that, <laughs> in, in like a good way. <laughs> do you do you understand the plot in very broad strokes? Yeah, I think where I the, the the premise was something that eluded me a little bit because I think it all happened too fast. But like when the contract is made, yeah. From from that point on, I was like, okay, interesting. Uh, then I had to go back and and actually figure out how T time did it because that I clearly was asleep for that. But you know, 
using teeth to control children to stop belief in the Hogfather. Yeah. And then death because the Hogfather turns out to be actually quite important other than just, you know, being sad. Yeah, I think that, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that that was quenching. So, so death being like a, you know, recognizing that the entities have jobs to do and that's all quite important. Yeah, recognizing the spe- reality, reality sort of depends on Recognizing this. the specific importance of belief in things like the yeah. Hogfather. I thought that was really that's really good, the sort of closing yeah. quote from Death, where Susan's like, well, what would happen if the Hogfather stayed dead? He's like, the sun wouldn't rise. And Susan's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, no, sun wouldn't rise. Instead, all that would happen is that the world would be lit by a flaming bowl of gas. And you're like, so it's essentially belief is what make is what death keeps saying belief is what makes us human the, the fact that we yeah. anthropomorphize and name and give everything stories see that was wild because that is more or less one of the last things in it the comes book, out of, right it, it comes out of nowhere this whole like yeah but it but it helps to put the whole book into context yeah why does death care <laughs> yeah you don't learn and it's also so well put yeah. right yeah it's it's yeah, this is not to get sort of too Professor Brian Cox about it, but it's it's a sort of thing, right? You know, the stars all go around. There's trillions of them, trillions of galaxies, etc. But but where the only reason it has any meaning for us whatsoever is because we can observe yeah, it, that's, and we can name it, and we can interact with it. It's the point. You take all that away, it still happens. To be fair, the book the book but, does <laughs> make that point very early on, actually. But it's like I think it's in a footnote. It's when it's talking about the. It's one of the unseen university bits where they talk about the the, the professor of anthropology, who basically posits that the only reason the universe exists is so that the professor of anthropology can exist, which is sort of the same point that death is making at the very very yeah. end, which is that things only have meaning because we give them meaning. Oh, I wonder. If I actually got the footnotes, did you get no. the footnotes? Because you, they're they're so important. I don't remember there being sort of instances where it's like footnote. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you just weave them I'd into need, the text. I need to somehow. see if I can get hold. I might try and get yeah. hold of the Tony Robinson version and then compare it and see where the footnotes come in and if if you get them because they they're throughout all Pratchett and they make a huge difference. Equally, I think I might actually get this one. As the, a book, because it feels like Pratchett sounds. Like, it sounds like he kind of makes use of um, authors' tools, right? Like all caps for, yeah, for death and he, stuff. And th- those are quite interesting literary tricks that I've had to see. Like when you get Twyla's, um, I'm just looking at it here. Twyla's Hogswatch or Hogfather letter is um, like handwritten in the book. And things like that. Ah, so, nice. Yeah, that's cool. That's it's nice quite. It, he's a, he's a very he was a very clever author in the way that he used all of the tools at his disposal. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I'm I, I'd be very interested in reading some Discworld now. Yeah. Maybe one. Uh, <laughs> Maybe start at the beginning. I, I wouldn't. I I would never recommend people start at the beginning because it takes a little while to get going. I would say there's sort of two ish good jumping in points, but realistically, I'd say start with guards, guards, 
which is like book one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, book eight or book nine. But okay. that's the first of the the Watch series, which is a long running series of books, right? Uh, that touch across all of the um, all of the Discworld canon, basically. And it's really good, and because it's that long running series, you've got consistent characters that you're with for the journeys and things like that, which is really nice. That'd be useful, yeah. Now, would you ever recommend anyone start with the Hogfather? Having just I read don't it? think so. I think if you if you want to read the Hogfather, I think you need to have read, and I haven't, Mort and Reaper Man, which are the two death books. I hmm. think the two death books that come before it. I'm just going to check that. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to check that. Uh, I mean, it was a fun ride. So, because because I think because we're all kind of familiar with you know Christmas or the holiday period or that's well, I guess in this case very specifically Christmas. Yeah, it, it's familiar, and I think that helps to an extent. To an extent, <laughs> yeah. Critically, no. I think it. I think it does. Um, it was definitely easier for me to read than you, by all accounts, because I know Pratchett, so I get what he's doing a lot of the time when he's being clever with words or or what have you. So hex, for yeah. example, I know because I've read other books that have hex in them. So I'm always looking awesome. for the hex jokes. Also, thanks for making me edit out your um, oh, mouse sorry. wheel I, I'm, scrolling. I'm editing this one. On Christmas I'm Eve. I'm editing this one, Thank Meg. you very much. No, I think I am, aren't I? It's the next book. It's, oh, yes, the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <Get fun>. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. It's <laughs> fine. I'm trying to find my... Uh, Let me get my mouse wheel out. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff. That's really noisy. That's it. <laughs> My my second gift to you. That's so good. Uh, here we go. This is what I was looking for. Um, Terry Pratchett reading order. Death. Yeah, you need. Oh, so you also need to have read Soul Music. I think you need to have at least read Mort, which is the first death novel, because you need to understand where death fits in the world. I think. Yeah, makes sense. And you need to understand some of, like, what makes him weird. I think. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm keen. Because, I mean, again, looking at the the big read, which for those of you unfamiliar, uh, you're not from the UK, it was a survey on books carried out the BBC in 2003. So it's a bit old now, 20 years old. Um, but it, I don't know, something like three quarters of a million people voted. Yeah. And Pratchett is in the top 215 that's times. Insane. <laughs> that's insane. That's like a significant portion of this world. Yeah. That's the most. Um, That's crazy. Although arguably the most impressive is Tolkien, who's number one, having written one book. Well, one book, I suppose. <laughs> he's, he's in twice because I'm assuming The Hobbit is in here somewhere. Yeah, The Hobbit's twenty fifth. So Lord of the Rings is number one. one That's yeah. incredible. Just I did this. It's uh, the best. <laughs> number five is the one that really threw me. Oh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Is that the top Harry Potter? Yeah. That's, number that's five. wild. Just in front of To Kill a Mockingbird, which 
Seeing those two next to each other is That's just weird all around. big juxtaposition. Which is then followed by Winnie the Pooh and then followed by 1984. So it's, it's an odd list. That's, that's crazy. What's what's Pratchett's top book in there? Yeah, so I'm trying to I'm trying to see where where does he start copying up? Because you imagine that because Discworld is clearly um, a universe that it'll be the same sort of people voting, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's unlikely that there'll be like a, a crazy outlier unless right? it's some uh, Good Omens. That's by that's Neil, Neil Gaiman. Terry Pratchett, sixty-eight. Which I don't actually need that's to read. Pratchett. I've watched it and I really enjoyed it, so I need to watch it. I need to read it. I think I suspect that yeah, Good Omens, the sort of weirdness, is Pratchett more than it is Gaiman because I've read some other Gaiman and it's not that weird. I've only read his Norse mythology, which is... yeah. Oh, Mort, 65, Terry Fair Fletcher. enough. So that's the first of the death yeah. books. That I can see, yeah. yeah. That I can see. And then Nightwatch, 73. That's the be- that's that's a lot of people's favourite. It might be my favourite. Um, oh, then The Colour of Magic, 93. Which is the very first. Then we leave Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. <laughs> okay. That's just people being controversial. Small Gods at 102. Never read that one. Dracula by Bram Stoker, 104. Look at that. Good man. <laughs> oh, Point Blank by Anthony Horowitz, 105. That's a good book as well. Oh, I haven't read those well, ages. A good young adult books, yeah. And also got here. Les Mis. Don't, Who the fuck has don't read know. Les Mis? That's, no one has read Les Mis. <laughs> 114, that's bullshit. No one has read, <laughs> no one has read Les Mis. The, the socio-political Les Mis role of convents in medieval France can get fucked yeah, as an cool, interlude to my novel. Shit on that. I can't bullshit. Just go and watch it. In the- Reaper Man is 126. Yeah. There is out uh, there, while well, you search through, there is out there a BBC adaptation of Hogfather that I have been... Yeah, I saw that. I've yeah. been looking for and I can't find it anywhere. Uh, Weird Sisters... 135, Hogfather 137. I think that's probably fair. It's good. I can see why people like it. I can see why it would be a lot of people's favourite, but it's, for me, it's, it has one of the problems that some Bratchett books have where it's sort of too weird for its own good, I think. And a, a lot of it is very good. I like all the stuff with the wizards, which I don't often in Pratchett, but they get enough time on screen to be their own particular kind of weird. <laughs> they were very weird, though. <laughs> but they're, they, they are, but they're... Because, again, they sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah, but this is the thing, because you haven't read Pratchett, you don't know the position that the wizards <sighs> take. In But we need to stop using that as an excuse, because there is no expectation that you will sit down and read every book in order from Colour of Magic to no, of course. Raising Steam or Snuff. But, there, but, but that, that was a real... Point and maybe that's because I, I was grumpy having been up um, for such a long time already. But because that that was when the whole oh god thing happened and like all these gods popping into all these fake gods popping into existence and then the wizards show up and I was like what is happening I don't understand anything's going on yeah so so that that's where the book kind of lost me a little bit um so I I did stop that's fair um, and then came back to it later that that's interesting I guess that was so it wasn't the wizards themselves it was the sort of they were the culmination of just lots of being frustrated with not with the way the book was going. 
yeah, there was just a lot, a lot going on, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I think upon a reread, I'll be a bit more forgiving potentially. That's uh, something to be said for Pratchett. It's absolutely a, a a way of writing that lends itself to rereads because you get more every time you reread it. Yeah. Yeah, I've just seen uh, 100 Years of Solitude is at 32. That's a book where I got about 50 pages in and decided to leave it at that. That's, yeah. I think there's a lot of sort of people showing off in these lists. I think. A bit of that. I mean, Pride and Prejudice is at, at number two. Yeah, but. Which feels really pretentious. But also, it is actually a book that has a huge cultural impact. As yeah. A, well, as opposed exactly. to something like 100 Days of Solitude, which just doesn't to be blunt yeah interesting yeah no hogfather um go go and read it if you haven't it's a wild ride which is ultimately what books are yeah. supposed to be about right it is it is and there are there are poignant moments in it the sort of the resolution of it at the castle of the tooth fairy where banjo ends up as the new tooth fairy is yeah. wild, but also in a way quite nice, almost. And Susan's constant struggle to fit in before sort of slowly coming to terms with the fact that she needs to not fit in because only she can do the things that need to be done sometimes. And that's that's relatively powerful, I think. But I, th- yeah... It wouldn't be where I told people to start on Pratchett. Go and read Guards Guards and then and then we can have another chat about Pratchett, I think. Yeah. We'll, we'll turn it into a bit of a mini series. I like that. I like that. Every now and then we'll revisit Pratchett. <laughs> what did you think of? <laughs> yeah. Get Seriously, what the fuck is up with Tea Time? Tea Time <laughs> sucks. I I like Tea Time as well, actually, as a villain. There's not I can't really think of anyone else in, in Discworld quite like Tea Time, but just this kind of like yeah, no, I'm just a psychopath. Like, there's nothing funny about me. There's no bit. There's no quirk. He's just a psychopath. He really is. Like, he goes hard. <laughs> but it's done It's done so well. You know, an assassin who scares Lord Doney and things like that is, is really good. Because Lord Doney is, is not afraid of anyone. But I feel like in a, in a book like this, you kind of need that because it's so quirky and weird. And He's almost a comic having, book. Having like. a... Yeah, because he's, he's so identifiably evil that it provides a weird anchor point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand right off the bat. There's no nuance here. But really, Tea Time is so obviously awful and evil that whatever yeah. he's doing has to be bad. Exactly. So so you don't really worry too much about why is death working with the, the, the boogeyman, etc. That sort of stuff. Because... Yeah, <laughs> there's one very obvious. Yeah, well, whatever tea time is doing, we have to stop because. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I guess the the um, I keep wanting to call them outsiders because yeah, in some ways are. this has reminded me a lot of of what Butcher does in in the Dresden Files with the sort of belief. I, I thought thing, that. Yeah, I, just, I think it's a, a very, very good point. What are the, the observers? No, what auditors. The auditors. Thank you. <laughs> Which do come out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah. To be fair, I've never like. They might be in other Discworld books, but I don't remember them. It's just their introduction, right? Because it's with it's with the Guildmaster who handles it so 
calm. Yeah. Which already puts put me on the back foot. I was like, oh no. <laughs> There's so much going on already. Yeah, but but um, Downey's meant if you read it, it might be different if if it's being read to you. But if you read it, Downey is clearly completely off balance there. But he handles it because that's what he does. That's like his superpower is never being off balance. He's like well, you. He's not in this book, which is a real shame. But he's like Lord Vetinari, who is the tyrant of Ankh Pok, the dictator, the despot. One of those things. He's like the ruler of the city. Mm-hmm. But he's got some hilarious. I think it's dictator or ty- I can't remember which one. Um, tyrant, I think. It's good. It's just ridiculously over the top title. But he's like a quintessential politician. He's never off balance. He's never surprised, even when he is. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Downey is just like a diet version of him. And every now and then, someone will confront. It's just. just talking about this one, every now and then someone will confront Veterinary about something that he's doing and how it's completely ridiculous or you can't do that. And he's just like, I'm a tyrant. I can do what I like. But he has no actual power. He just is the tyrant. And he keeps his power by being very good at being a politician. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Go and read the the guards' books because he's in those. Very Trumpian. Trumpic. Trumpian. Yeah, Trumpist. It's Trumpist, I think, <laughs> uh, or Trumpian. But imagine that, but also someone who wants to make the world a better place and is good at their job and really smart. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, the hog yeah. farmer, great. Discworld, can't wait. Every now and then, I feel like too too much too you soon could be definitely too much feels too soon. like something you could overdo. Discworld. Yes, I think so. I think so. But I, I think it's just getting a feel for the universe and going with that. Yeah. I might I might read it again next year. If I spend a bit of time mm, this yeah. coming year reading other Pratchett, read it again next year and see where it fits. Yeah. I think now that I'm ready for for its depth, that'll help. Yes. Because, you know, if you go in expecting Elf and you come out having just read The Hogfather, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't quite, quite work. line up, no. No, it doesn't doesn't quite like that. But I think that brings us, unless there's anything else you want to say on on Hogfather, it brings us quite neatly on to the sort of second segment, I hesitate to say half, but second segment of the episode, which is just sort of what what do you watch, what do you read, what do you listen to around Christmas, around New Year? It's more to just, you know, provide a bit of holiday spirit for the people who are lacking it or, or who have already lost it given that it's December 25th and you're obviously listening to this on December 25th because what else are you doing? I know I would. Um, yeah. So actually on, on Christmas Day I never watch any sort of Christmas films because there's always way too much like family stuff going on. I used to when I was a lot younger stay up. I used to record the Doctor Who Christmas special and, oh, and then I'd watch yeah. it after everyone else had gone to bed at like 11 o'clock at night when I was too full I'd had a little bit too much to drink and I'd watch like some ridiculous like not really connected to the rest of the series Doctor Who Christmas special with like a Titanic floating through space or something and it was great yeah that's fair but I've stopped watching Doctor Who that's fundamentally the issue with (laughs) 
that's fundamentally the issue with Christmas Day, isn't it? That you sort of eat early and then you eat too much. And so you're kind of just out for the count for half yeah, a day. You eat early, but you're still eating after when you would normally have finished eating your second meal. <laughs> yes, yes. And then the port comes out. Ah, it's just it's glorious, oh, but messy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, so Boxing Day really is, I think, the day for Christmas. Which, which sometimes feels a bit weird, right? Because it's kind of after the fact. Yeah, in some ways. it is. It is. We, we often watch some in the run-up, so we'll there's generally, we'll watch Love Actually at some point before Christmas. But we watched it last year, and I think I might be going off Love Actually, which I know is heresy. <laughs> See, it's funny, because my, my mum used to always say that she didn't think it was a good film, and then I made her watch it again a couple of years ago, and she said, oh, actually, that's quite good. I don't know if I've just watched it. So you just need to give it time. I don't know if I've watched it too much. That might be the problem. But it's a weird thing with Christmas films, isn't it? Because you think once a year doesn't doesn't feel like too much, but sometimes well, it I think is the too problem much. is Love Actually is just a little bit shit. So if you watch it too much, too like once wow. a year is too much. Well, wow, it's not. Wow, it's the finest thing ever produced in this country. That, those two statements. Okay, maybe not quite. I that say, those two statements are not mutually exclusive. Um, that's fair. That is fair. Well, this country produced Charles Darwin. True. That's true. I will, I'll maybe give you that one. <laughs> I don't know what it is about love, actually. No, it's it's a little bit shit, but, but that, that's part of the charm of it because it it's supposed to. It's a Christmas film. They're supposed to be a little bit shit. I don't understand in a good why this is an okay thing. It's just like Hallmark churning out various iterations of the christmas prince oh. or whatever the fuck it's called that's netflix is that netflix i don't know yeah hallmark i mean bravo bravo uh, how um, do you have they, they know how to make how it. do you have a company <laughs> who's two a company that successful whose two products are crap christmas films and overpriced birthday cards yeah, it's amazing. But they crack the formula because it's the same plot every it single is. time, and it works every single it time. Is, it is. Um, so no, I mean, a Hallmark film always sneaks in at some point, right? Because how can it not? But Love Actually, I feel for me, is kind of a Christmas staple. I think it, it is a Christmas staple. I just there's so much of it that, like, if you watch it with a critical eye, you're just like, oh, I don't like any of these people. Even though the individual, no, but, the, but I think that's what makes it good. The film are quite good, but I think that is what makes it kind of good because because it's it's a it's a star ensemble cast, mm. and but they're playing kind of despicable people. I'm trying to work out who the best person in Love Actually is. The best, like person. the morally best person. Is it Liam Neeson? That's surely got to be Liam yeah. Neeson or Emma Thompson. Liam Neeson she, or Emma she Thompson. She does nothing oh, wrong. No, no, no. It's Emma Thompson. It's Emma, like it's a hundred percent Emma Thompson. Uh, closely followed. I mean, by I mean Liam Neeson is nothing wrong. He just he just. But he's not focuses on his. Whereas Emma Thompson is wronged, and so that almost makes her more yeah. better. She gets all it of does. Alan Rickman's negative morality, and it turns her into like it goes to her as positive morality. That's how morality works. Yeah. It's a zero sum game. Absolutely. Of course it is. <laughs> there's, there's your nugget of Christmas wisdom from Sean. Um, with Liam Neeson's character, I've never figured out if that's his son or stepson. his stepson. I'm it's sure always bothered it's me. his stepson. 
It's yeah, never exactly that. made clear, but I'm sure it's... I know, because you'd imagine the paperwork for that is going to be nightmarish. Well, no, because if he's... If they're prop... If, if, if she... If his wife is a widow and they're married, then it probably is fine. I mean, possibly. But yeah. I'm not a family lawyer, so I don't know. But Also, the thing that that guy ended up playing um, Jojen Reed is kind of mind-boggling. It's so good. He also doesn't... He's also in um, The Queen's Gambit. He yes, plays, he's in yeah, a lot of stuff. But he just hasn't grown up. He's like 40 yeah, yeah. and just looks the same age. It's great. It's what genes? But no, uh, well, Emma Thompson is surely the main character in the film, right? Because she seems to be connected to everybody. I think she, she she knows Liam Neeson's character for some reason. Is she the one who's most connected to everyone? Because right, she's she's um, Hugh Grant's she's sister. Hugh Grant's sister. Liam Neeson's friend, or friends with his wife? But yes, or well, friends with his wife. Yeah, I suppose that's where it ends, isn't it? Well, how does she know Alan Rickman? How does she know Colin Firth? How does, does anyone, anyone know Colin, know Colin Firth? Firth? <laughs> he just exists. Fuck, it's Colin Firth doing it. He just exists. He just No, he must overlap, doesn't he? No? No, Colin Firth's girlfriend? No, it's Colin Firth's someone? girlfriend's Portuguese. She doesn't know anyone. No, 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 as in the woman who cheats on him. She doesn't. We never see her again. Who's Colin Firth? Got, no, Colin Firth, I'm sure, is on the phone with Emma Thompson as well, isn't he? No, oh, that's God. who does he call when he goes off? Yeah, no, he is for sure. I'm going to need to watch. There you go. We're going to have to watch. I'm going to watch Love Actually with post-it notes of everyone. <laughs> Bill, Nye, Bill Nye is surely the least connected to anyone. Yeah, but he knows Elton John. He, he doesn't know so Elton John at the end, though. That's true. He's, he's he instantly the most connected. <laughs> now, Colin Firth is throwing me. I can't remember I'm gonna, I'm how he knows anybody. It'll be really obvious. Yeah. Because Mar- Martin Freeman somehow is affiliated with the school. It all, it all connects to the school that Emma Thompson's kids go to. Because that's where everyone like convenes at the end. Anyway. Yeah, Love, Love Actually. Actually. Great film. Um, film? It's Because it's, it's... I feel like a lot of films have tried since to do that. Do that sort of thing, like interconnected storylines, Christmas vibe, big cast, but it just doesn't hit the same. It's so British in, my in a lot of ways. It's such a British yeah. film because, so it makes in it the grand scheme of things, most people's problems in that film are really small. Like they're big for them, but they're. I mean, you you're saying the Prime Minister of Great Britain's problems are small, but his problem is that he fancies a. Someone he works with. Yes, and he he, and he, he puts, more or less declares war on the United this States is of I mean America off the back of it. In the film being <laughs> awful, he puts his own interests ahead of ahead of like fundamental British yeah, foreign You damn policy. well know that this country will support that decision. <laughs> yeah, we well, because yeah. it's the right if you, one. If he explains why, everyone will be like, "Oh yeah, no wait, we got your back, mate. Don't worry about it." Also. Billy Bob Thornton for President of the United States. What a fantastic... Can we make that what happen? fantastic George yeah. W. Bush. 
W or George H.W.? It's got to be W because Hugh Grant is absolutely Tony Blair. Yeah, no, I guess that. But so I, he's uh, got to be. I feel Billy Bob. Billy Bob's too like smooth. Actually, yeah, it's not W. Yeah, yeah, you might be work. right, but HW. Uh, it could work. So that that's obviously a classic. Um, we we mentioned Die Hard before, <sighs> Christmas film for sure. It's a film that takes place at Christmas time, and people watch it at Christmas. I struggle with people calling it a Christmas film, but I don't care enough. It's not. It's an action film that takes place at Christmas, but I don't actually care. See, I think Die Hard is, is just a metronome, ultimately. Because that's a film that you can re-watch, but it just so happens that you, the last time you watched it was at Christmas. And so then the next, next time, time you watch Christmas. it is at Christmas, because it feels right. I have seen someone try and make the case that it's a Christmas film, because it's actually all about family, and I'm not sure that it is, because it contains the line, ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. So, I mean, yes. I just... it's it, Some families are into that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um, Home Alone, is it, uh, more guns. Is it? Is it? A, is, sorry, is Die Hard a Christmas film because it's also got Alan Rickman in it? You, you just want to make the point about the Philosopher's Stone, then? No, I, I wasn't actually going to mention the Philosopher's Stone, <laughs> but thank you for that doorway. I'll be, be, be coming back to that one later. Home Alone, clearly no, a we, Christmas we, we film. Needn't. Love it. Love, love Home Alone. It's so good. Home Alone is very good. Yeah, Home Alone is very good. Although I recently did see a meme of, you know, what would happen if that was now, you know, where Callie Culkin just picks up his phone, texts, Mum, I'm Home Alone, and she comes back. Yeah, it's less funny. You can't really make Home less Alone funny. now, can you? No, it doesn't, it doesn't really work the same way. No, everyone's got cameras everywhere and stuff, so yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't really work. But that's a classic, of course. Slapstick comedy is always, always great value. Yep. Um, Elf is a weird one. I know a lot of people love it. Not for me. But I don't really like Will I, Ferrell. I, that's the issue I have with it. Like, I like Elf, but Will Ferrell's a problem. The problem is that Will Ferrell is I've never realized why he's a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. But I like Zoe Deschanel. She's funny. Fair, I, and of course, our favourite um, Lannister as well. Although he's in it quite briefly. You're going to have to tell me who my favourite Lannister is. Tyrion, uh, oh, is he? completely blank on the actor's name. Peter Dinklage is in it. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, he is, because there's the, the really awkward, oh my gosh, it's an elf scene. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be like, it seems like that, that might be why I don't like elf. I just, uh, there's something about Will Ferrell. Potentially. I just don't like him. I don't think he's very good. Well, no, he I mean, he's good at what he does. I don't like what he does, I think is the... I think that might be. He's sort of Adam Sandler, and he uh, struggled with him yeah. as well. I have a friend. Uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, I think, is a classic. Sorry, just because you, you brought Adam Sandler up very, very quickly. I have a friend oh, who no. you have met. Why? Oh, no. Who has a massive crush on Adam Sandler. Crush And it's Adam not Sandler. who you think it is that you've met as well. That is interesting information. Yeah. I don't know what to do we'll with take that. It offline, <laughs> but I'm also looking forward to getting a text message on Christmas Eve on Boxing Day. Um, Adam Sandler, they're real. Yeah, apparently. It must be those big shorts. Yeah, I guess. I'd, we've, we've never got to the bottom of it. 
Uh, well, I can just never, I can never forgive Adam Sandler for making um, his one critically acclaimed serious movie, which uh, uncut gems. <laughs> like, because people love it, it, and I think it's the single most difficult watch I have ever sat through in my I life. I think I've seen it. Give it a go. It's 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 yeah. I will it's do. I'll have a look. <laughs> Um, but I, it's the best way of describing it. The, I, I've never wanted to stop watching something with every fiber of my being quite so much, but I think it's what the film's going for. So, it, like, you have to commence. Is them. that like, is that a good thing to be going for in a film? Make people not want to watch it. Well, yeah, it depends on the subject matter, I suppose. Right? Maybe. I, I'm also in the minority, and the people like uh, that didn't resonate well with me. Other people really loved it. Uh, but for those sort of reasons, I think maybe I'll I'll, I'll find it. I'm always looking out for yeah. films to watch with all of my copious free time. Obviously, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. You mentioned love it, great film. Wait, Michael Caine. Yeah, do you need job done? I mean, can we just can we just dwell on that a second? Michael Caine in Muppets Christmas Carol. All, like, all Christmas films <laughs> are like this, though. They've got ridiculous casts. Bill Murray, Scrooged, another great yeah. film. The Holiday, which is on our list, has an absolutely insane cast. See, The Holiday is an interesting one because that actually, I think, came after Love Actually quite a bit. It's got like a it's got a, a serious group of people in it. Well, it's Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Kate, Kate Winslet, Winslet, Jack Black, Black. The, the most decorated actresses uh, in the world. Jack Black, yeah, love love Jack Black. Ruth Sewell. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> War dick. Like, it's... Re- he's, he's one of the scummiest characters ever to be in a film, surely. In that, or in... The, the, the character, not the well, actor. He only ever plays dickheads as well. Have you, it's because he's got, he's the, got face. the face. He's got the voice for it. Uh, I once saw him walking down the high street in Oxford. Did you shout, oi? <laughs> no, I, I did a sort of double take just as he walked past. And then spent ages trying to remember what his name was. <laughs> I always struggle with that as well because he's he's very recognisable. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Yeah, I'm basing that on absolutely nothing. But yeah, the whole day weirdly good film. I, I was really surprised with it for what it I does. I was really surprised yeah. by it because I didn't expect to like it because I thought it was like a Netflix Hallmark type Christmas film, and it's not. It's much better than that. It goes deeper. It's also just, you know, having sort of California and an unbelievably picturesque, snowy, Surrey cottage. Yeah, like... <laughs> that, let's be honest, will have cost more than the house in I was going to say, how does Kate Winslet afford <laughs> that as, like, a, an editor at a newspaper? Or whatever. A publisher, isn't it? She's a an editor at a publishing house or something. No, it's a news. Isn't it? It's a telegram or something? Or the Times? Whatever it is. <laughs> she's it's she's not a CEO major. in the city, so she can't afford that house. No, exactly. Exactly. Uh, no, it's great. I love it. Uh, and then for some reason, we've got we Christmas have... with the Cranks on our list. I think because <laughs> I watched it last year. Which. That was. Well. Funny? But it, well, I'd tell you my fascination with it. Um, right. Do, do you know who uh, 
Who came up with that? Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. No. Um, it's a John Grisham novel. It's not. Skipping Christmas, yeah. That and I and I've read that novel, and I remember it being one of the funniest novels I've read. Maybe this is a long time ago. I was like, this this cannot possibly be John Grisham. Sorry, the reason it I, makes I, no sense, but it really works. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't no, know. I, the most famous lawyer in the world. I, I sort of associate John Grisham <laughs> with like legal dramas and stuff. Not uh, yeah, and then he just decided to just churn out. Skipping That's Christmas, so which, is a, which is a great read. And then somehow that gets to turn into a film with Jamie Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd in it. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim <laughs> and Allen. And also Tim Allen's there. <laughs> I don't like Christmas with the Cranks for a very specific reason, which is that Tim Allen's decision to skip Christmas and do something nice with his wife is completely valid and everyone castigates him for it. But he should probably have checked yes. with Jamie Lee Curtis first that she was okay with this. But other than that, I don't like the way he's like, oh, at the end, he actually really enjoys it. Like, no, that man wanted to go on holiday. Let him go on holiday. Sorry. Well, you know, it's, it's the daughter sort of coming back. Yeah, but, but they didn't know. But no, I agree. I agree you know. Like, empty nest syndrome is a real thing. Let the man have a, a year where he's not reminded of the fact that his daughter isn't around anymore. She's off doing her own thing. If that's what he and his wife want to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Blood, I bloody agree. Christmas films. <laughs> what about any like Christmas books? Do you, do do you read, read Christmas read books? Christmas? Because obviously we've got our daughter now. We're like starting to get into that a little bit. So there's some books that we put away last year that we've got out, got back out now to read with her. But I don't really. Um, I'm sure, she'll be watching Frozen before uh, too long. Yeah, that'll be. Which I guess is not technically a Christmas film. I though. feel like it probably will be though. I think I might declare Frozen a Christmas film. <laughs> oh no, we only watch that at Christmas time. <laughs> oh, smart. I yeah. Like it. I'm just trying to look, like famous Christmas films. There's not that many. I guess the Santa Claus series talking about Tim Allen. Yeah, um, but never. I never really. Yeah. There's like the Snowman. There's also the like the weird horror slash um, nightmare before Christmas thriller Christmas stuff like Jack Frost. Oh, Jack, Jack Frost. Uh, there's the nightmare before Christmas, which is yeah, not oh, actually nice Tim Burton. Is that right? It just looks like it is. Yeah, it it feels like it should be. Yeah, I think right? that's right. Uh, Polar Express. Polar Express was the one I was just thinking of. No, I mean we've got. Do you go to something like the Nutcracker? Is that like something you do? We used to go to pantomimes when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a very British thing, isn't it? I don't think I like pantomimes. Or... See, I've never been because I don't think I will like, like a pantomime. They're good when you're a kid. So, hmm. if my daughter wanted to go to one in a few years' time, I'd probably trudge along and sit in the crowd and make all the noises. But... I don't think it's it's not they're not designed for adults and that's part of the problem or it's not a problem but that's part of the thing with Christmas is so much of it is geared towards kids and rightly so so things love, I guess in that sense films like 
Love Actually or The Holiday that are a bit more for grown-ups as well. Or instead, probably do make sense. And maybe that's where something like Hogfather comes in as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to, to find the uh, the adaptation of that one. I'm going to do some serious digging. I, I was sent it today, hard. in fact, on YouTube, except it's not available in the UK. Huh. But it's it was made by the BBC, but it's not on iPlayer. As far as I can tell, it's not on not available anywhere on Prime. Interesting. So you can't even pay for it. Okay. I don't know where it is. Yeah, I'll have a dig, uh, dig around as well. Yeah. T- tell you what, what has become, uh, <laughs> albeit a very recent addition to my yearly read for Christmas, mm-hmm. is that little bit at the end of Battleground in the Dresden Files. The the, the little Christmas oh, story. The, yeah. I think that's so good. I really enjoy it. Because I think, you know, in, in that universe and knowing what, what Harry Dresden has just been through, just the normality even though he's visited by, like, three gods. <laughs> yeah. The normality of that scene is just... That That really sums up Christmas for Him me. sitting on the floor trying to build the bike after yeah. everyone else well, has gone. Well, it's effectively nearly ended, like, around yeah. him. Uh, you know, massive loss, etc. And then he's just building a bike for his daughter. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Surrounded by family and friends. And then... And, and then... Murderous fairy queens. Say, and then... then he's, I'm going I'm to call Santa a friend. Kringle turns up and hands him a cup of sweet oh, great gift, coffee yeah. or cocoa or whatever it is. And it's, it's because Harry doesn't need a proper gift from, from Kringle. What he needs is that comfort. Oh, it's great. It brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. That's a great story. Well but it also um, contains a very thinly veiled threat from Kringle, which is great. I know. Wouldn't be the Dresden verse for that something. Call, yeah. call me a liar on Christmas Eve one more time, I dare you. Yeah. And I will obliterate it's you from so this, more or less. <laughs> it, 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 saying that in a house surrounded by guardian angels as well. Yes, well, I mean... Who'd yes. probably all just I, I, I turn think even they hands. have no authority over Kringle on Christmas yeah, I think, Day. I think they'd all just go... Yeah, no, he did that to himself. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely fair. You're all just there shaking his head. Uh, yeah. The one thing he couldn't, he shouldn't have done. But yeah, that's Christmas. I mean, I, I imagine that you'll at, at this time, whenever this time is, will we'll be enjoying your dinner. Do you, do you go for the, the usual turkey um, stuff? Well, because that, you know? we're, we're just there's just going to be the three of us this year. So what we've actually done is we've got all the trimmings and everything, but we're just going for a, we're just getting a chicken. Because um, oh, I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. actually particularly like turkey. I think it's like see, I'm hearing that so much. It's it's. I think it's a better chicken. Do you? But yeah, no. For three people, it's oh, yeah, could, like, the smallest un- turkey serves twelve or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's yeah, so yeah. expensive. It's, it's uh, comically large, but, but that's interesting. Chicken though, yeah, chicken's good. I'd have gone for a duck or something. I maybe. was I was pushing for duck. I was pushing for duck. Uh, but we yeah, we landed fair. on chicken because I was pushing for duck and my wife was pushing for chicken, so we compromised on yeah, we teamwork. compromised on chicken. Yeah, uh, of course. Well, yeah. to be fair, duck was my <laughs> compromise position from goose, so maybe we did compromise. Yeah, but see, but goose is already enormous as well, isn't it? That surely feeds a lot. It doesn't of feed as many as you think because there's very little. Um, yeah, they're not fat. They're not fattened up, well, up very well. Like a, 
a foie it's, gras it's like, uh, goose. It's bit. like a big duck, basically. Yeah. Very nice though. Yeah. What about you? There you have it. What will you be having? Uh, well, I, I will be drowning in cheese because we tend to go for raclette uh, for Christmas <sighs> Day because we're you know, proper Europeans. Yeah, that, that would know. do it. That would absolutely do it. It's it's yeah, it's great. But wow, does it uh, slow you down? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> just thinking this time after a lot of regret, regret, I would be dead. Yeah, I would yeah, just yeah. have solid. You know what? It's it, it sort of lessens the the burden in the kitchen. That's uh, true. Whoever, whoever that might be, so it's it's, it's quite nice from that. Point That's of view. true. The the kit. I mean, the 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 the, the, the house stinks for <laughs> days on end. Yeah, but the Christmas cleanup is an absolute ball ache. Yes, finding goose fat for weeks afterward, just stuck on the underside <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> Ah, what a wonderful time Love of it. year. Love it. I guess, I think all that remains is to say thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about the Hogfather and other assorted Christmas tales. Thanks also for listening to us all year. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we'll be back in two weeks' time with our usual fare. Until then, of course, Merry Christmas, Seasons Greetings, Happy Holidays, whatever floats your boat. We'll be there for you in what I'm sure will be a happy new year.